Now this morning, I invite you to turn with me in your Bible to the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter 7. And as you're turning to the place, just in case anybody wonders what has happened to Philippians, well, we've come to the end of the chapter. There is a thought at the end of the chapter which I'm going to deal with. And then in the new year, we'll uh, return again to Philippians chapter 4, and we'll finish the chapter probably halfway through the year. But for today, we're turning to Hebrews chapter 7. And I want to read from verse 21 till the end. Hebrews chapter 7. And we'll read from verse 21. For those priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. For such an high priest became us who was holy, harmless, undefiled, separate from sinners, and made higher than the heavens, who needeth not daily as those high priests to offer up sacrifice, first for his own sins, and then for the people's. For this he did once, when he offered up himself. For the law maketh men high priests, which have infirmity. But the word of the oath, which was since the law, Maketh the Son who is consecrated forevermore. Amen. We'll end the reading there at verse 28. And we pray God will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from Hebrews chapter 7, verse 25. And my theme today is filling your mind with God's ability. Now, if you look at the text, I want you to notice the word able. Wherefore, he is able. Underline that word. I want you to think of the importance of that one word. 155 times in the Bible, the Holy Ghost has included it in the canon of Holy Scripture, from the book of Genesis right through to the book of Revelation. You can read reference after reference that contains this word able in a variety of contexts. 155 times the Holy Ghost uses that one word, the word able. I believe with Solomon that every word of God is pure. 
We believe, of course, in word-for-word inspiration. Remember, the Bible just doesn't contain the Word of God. That's modernism and liberalism. The Bible is the infallible, inerrant Word of God. And we believe, of course, in plenary, that's full and complete, and verbal, that's word-for-word inspiration. God alone gave the words of the Bible. The words important. The word able's important. It speaks of ability. It speaks of action. It speaks of doing something. I don't want you just to think of the importance of the word able, but I want you to think of the instruction of the word able. You see, out of these 155 references to the word able, the Holy Spirit narrows it down to 11 references teaching us and telling us, reminding us of the things that God is able to do for us. And I was thinking of the fact that it is no secret what God can do. What he's done for others, he can do for you. With arms wide open, he, he welcomes you. It is no secret what, what God can do. Now, now, what can God do? And if we look up these 11 references, we will get a little glimpse into what the Lord is able to do. Let me just list them in chronological order for you. In 2 Chronicles 25 and 9, it says the Lord is able to give thee much more than this. And that encourages me in the life and witness of the church. Daniel 3 and 7, three Hebrew children said, friends of Daniel, our God is able to deliver us. Matthew chapter 10, 28 tells us, fear not, them that are able to kill the body, but rather fear him that is able to destroy both body and soul in hell. In Romans 14 and 4, it says, God is able to make him stand. In 2 Corinthians 9 and 8, it says, God is able to make all grace abound toward you. Hebrews 3 and 20 says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we can ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Philippians 3, 21, Whereby he is able even to subdue all things unto himself. It was Paul said in 2 Timothy 1 and 12, For I know whom I have believed and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hebrews 2 and 18 says he is able to succor them that are tempted. Hebrews 7.25 says, Wherefore he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him. And Jude 24 says, Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Eleven precious references that is teaching us and telling us about God's ability of what God is able to do for us. And if you're here this morning, and you're not born again of the Holy Spirit, you're not genuinely converted to Christ, you haven't been saved by the grace of God, then then I have a message for you. And here it is. He is able to save you. If you're here this morning as a backslider, and you feel trapped in the guilt and bondage of your sin, and you believe that you're under its spell and control and you can't break free, then I have a message for you. And it's this. He is able to deliver you, just like he delivered Daniel's three friends out of the fiery furnace. 
And maybe you're here this morning and you're a child of God. You've trusted Christ as your Lord and Savior, but you're going through hard times. Maybe you've had a rough week. Maybe the year has been hard. You've got problems, financial problems. Maybe you suffer with bodily ailment. You have difficulties in the context of relationship within the family. Marital problems. And at times you feel nobody cares. At times you're you're lonely inside. And you're isolated. And you're oppressed by the devil. And you feel that you're being attacked by the world. And maybe you're even under peer pressure at school and at university. Well, I've got a message for you. And this is it. He is able to succor you. That means he's able to come alongside to help. He's able to keep you, the Bible says, from falling. Remember, he is able to subdue all yours and his enemies. Child of God this morning, in that context, a rough week, a rough year, difficulty with problems, You fill your mind with this positive thought of what God is able to do. Now this morning, rather than deal with all 11 texts, which would be impossible in one particular sermon, I just want us to focus on one of these texts. Because all of them, of course, are worthy of at least one sermon, so I'm just going to deal with one. I could think of a little series of messages coming. But we'll see how the Lord leads. Listen to these words. Wherefore, he is able also to save them to the uttermost that come unto God by him, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. And we're thinking today of the ability of our all-powerful Savior. Now, in this text, there's five things. First of all, There's the proclamation of our all-powerful Savior. Look at the first word in the text. It says, wherefore. You should pause. Maybe even underline that in your Bible because that's important. I want you to think of wherefore as a connecting word. You've got to ask yourself, well, what's it there for? You see, it links up with what has gone before. Literally, a wherefore or a therefore means in light of this. In light of the precious facts that just been stated. Wherefore comes after verses 21 right through to 24. Look at verse 24. But this man because he continueth ever hath an unchangeable priesthood. Wherefore. It means in light of this. He is able to save. Do you see the connection? Look at verse 23. And they truly were many priests because they were not suffered to continue by reason of death. The Old Testament priests in the old economy were not suffered to continue. Why? By reason of death. That is, they could not continue. They they didn't continue on with their priesthood. Why? Because they were all subject to death. They died. Death came and took them all away. As they lived out their lives ministering at the 
altar, offering the sacrifice and making prayers for the people. They were weak individuals. They, they were sinful men. They, they, they were fallible individuals. They were prone to error. They were at best unprofitable servants. And one by one, they died. And when they died, another priest came and took their place. But this man, a reference to Christ, when he came into the world as our great glorious high priest, the gospel, of course, required a priest who was not subject to death. That means that death couldn't hold him. Death had no power or sway over him, no claim on him. <clears throat> of course, for death to have no claim on him, he would have to be sinless. Remember, of course, our Lord Jesus Christ, and it's a fact, he died a substitutionary death. He died the death of a surety to the broken law. He, he was the guarantee that it would be fulfilled. He died as a sin bearer. He died as a sacrifice. He died as a sin offering the wrath of God. And of course, remember, he was taken off the tree. We were singing, come with me, visit Calvary. We, 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 we remember, of course, he was placed in the tomb. He was there three days and three nights. But death couldn't hold him. The resurrection morning came. He had the keys of hell and death, according to Revelation chapter 1, verse 18. And he opened the gate. And you see, it was already prophesied of him. In Psalm 110, verse 4, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Look at verse 21. For these priests were made without an oath. But this with an oath by him that said unto him, The Lord swear and will not repent, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. In verse 22 we read, By so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. There's a great truth being taught here about the eternality of Christ's priesthood. You see, Jesus Christ this morning, as we were singing, is alive. He, he, he lives forever. He, he, it was said of him, he is not here. He is risen as he said. We, we don't focus this morning on a dead savior. Now, many do, of course, but we don't. It's true that he was born. It's true that he came into the world. It's true that he lived. It's true that he died. But it's important also to remember that Jesus Christ is alive. He, he rose bodily from the dead. Many religions will go to the tomb of their founder. And they'll say, the bones of our leader lies here. And they'll put on a great show and they might even demand. But where are the bones of the Lord Jesus' body? No one will ever find them. No one can ever produce and say, well, well I've got a, an arm or, or, or I've got a leg bone. Why? Because his tomb is empty. He has risen, as he said, he's alive. And he lives in the power of an endless life. As the Bible says in Romans 4, 25, he was raised again for our justification. That means because of it, in the light of it, or on the ground of our justification. Therefore, and by on the ground of his death and resurrection, he is able to save. Remember, he had to die so you could be saved. And now he lives never to die again. And he undertook this role as priest. So that he could be come into the world. So that he could be born a true man. So that he could live out a life of real flesh and blood humanity. So that he could die in the tree. So that he could rise again. All for the salvation of men and women. 
See, if the Lord Jesus had died and was still held in the bondage of death, no one would ever have been saved. No one could have eternal life and peace with God. No one could know abundant life here and now. A dead Savior cannot save anyone. And I want you to think of the proclamation of our all-powerful Savior. Wherefore, in, in light of this, I want you to think, secondly, of the person of our all-powerful Savior. Because it says in the text, wherefore he, and we'll, we'll pause there. That's a reference to Christ Jesus, our Lord. If you think of the context here, verse 22, by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better covenant. But this man, because he continueth ever, hath an unchangeable priesthood, wherefore he is able. So it's a reference to Christ Jesus, our Lord. As I've said, there's a day he was born. And, and remember, he, he came into the world as the God-man. God manifest in the flesh. That deals with the mystery of his incarnation. Not just a great man and a good man and a gracious man. But the God-man. Great is the mystery of godliness, the Bible says. God was manifest in the flesh. And there's nine explicit references in the New Testament that declare that he's god in the flesh. So there's a day he was born. There was a day he lived. There was a day he died. There was a day, glory to God, he rose again. There was a day he returned to heaven as our great high priest. And he's there now in the power of an endless life to pray for us there. And on the ground of this blood sacrifice, we, we have a man in the glory, one at God's right hand. One who bears the marks of Calvary in his body. And if someone was to ask them, what are these wounds in your body? Your hands, your feet, your head. He, he would be able to say truthfully, these are the wounds that I received in the house of my friends. Do you know there's something in heaven that's man-made? Do you know what it is? It's the nail prints. It's the scar by the spear in his side. Is your eyes in Christ this morning? Can you focus on him by faith in your mind? Can you bow the knee and say like Thomas, my Lord and my God, do you know him? Have you received him? Have you trusted him as Lord and Savior? Do you know what he's able to do for you? If you take the heart, as, as I, I did, and I, I remember writing a letter to a, a dear sister in Christ who belonged to this church, Ina McKelvey, at one time, and I, I used seven of these references to, to try and teach her some of the things that he was able to do. And the more I thought about it, filling our mind with what he's able to do. It is no secret what God can do. Well, what is the secret? What can he do? Well, well, let's go to the Bible. Let's look up the references. Let, let's discover. And here's one of the great truths. He is able to save. Have you asked him? Have you said, Lord, save me, I perish? I want you to think thirdly, the power of our all-powerful Savior. If you look at the text, it says, he is able also to save them to the uttermost. He is able to save. Think of the experience of salvation. Isn't that wonderful news? Remember when the angels said to Sarah, she was 90 years old. 
She was married to a man called Abraham. He was her husband. He was a hundred years old. And the angels came and told her. She was inside the tent. She just heard them telling Abraham that she was going to have a baby. And what did she do? She had a wee titter and laugh. Yeah, I can just picture her inside the tent. I'm 90. <laughs> That's great. I'm going to have a baby. Ah, <laughs> Wonderful. And she doesn't really believe it. And then the angel asked her this question in the book of Genesis. Genesis 18. Is there anything too hard for the Lord? And of course the answer to that question is nothing. Jeremiah, I think it's 32, tells us nothing is too hard for the Lord. Have you loved ones who are out of Christ? You think they're too indifferent? And they're too hard? And they're too stubborn? And they're too full of pride? And the Lord couldn't save them? I want to tell you that's not true. Because it says, wherefore he is able also to save them. He can save from the penalty of sin, which is death. The wages of sin is death. He can save from the power of sin, dealing with the guilt. He breaks the power of cancelled sin, the hymn writer says, and sets the prisoner free. His blood can make the foulest thing. His blood avails for me. He can save from the very pleasure of sin. He can take the love of sinning out of our hearts. He can give us a new love, love to God, love to Christ, love to the scriptures, love to the day of God, love to the saints, love to the souls of men. He can put a new life within us. He said, I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. He gives us a new loyalty. We bow the knee to him like Thomas, as I've said, my Lord and my God. Think of the little hymn, the vilest offender who truly believes that moment from Jesus, a pardon receives. Let me illustrate that. In South America, there was a man by the name of Bravo. I think that was a nickname. He was a police officer. In his city, there was hundreds of drug dealers. Gun law was the order of the day. There was loads of homicides. He knew that these drug dealers were spoiling the lives of the young people. On one occasion, he, he snapped. He, he became a vigilante. He took the law into his own hands. He, he, he crossed the line. There was no return. And he started killing loads of these drug dealers. Villains. He, he, he did terrible things. He, he just viewed them as the scum of the earth. And he thought of the injustice they were meeting out to their fellow human man. And he, he felt that they deserved just to be taken out of the scene altogether. He, he was caught. He was sent to prison. He escaped three times from federal custody. On the third occasion, very regrettably and sadly, he, he, he killed a prison officer in trying to escape. He was put back into prison. He was in solitary confinement. There was no mixing with the other prisoners. He was in total isolation. He was under watch 24-7. And into that prison came a Bible with his name on it. And um, it was in his own language. He had nothing else to do, sitting in the cell. So we started to read it. And through reading the scriptures... Glory to God, he got saved. He repented of his crimes. Repented of his life of sin. His life was changed. He had the peace of God in his heart. You know what he used to do? He couldn't speak to any of the prisoners, but he could hear them walking past. And he used to lie on the floor, and there was a wee inch in the door where light would have come through. And he would have shouted out to them as they were walking past with the guards. And he was quoting Bible texts to them. 
And um, he, he, he started to preach to them that were passing. Glory to God, mysteriously, providentially, others got saved. They started a prayer meeting in that prison, a Bible study. Now he's still in prison. Uh, he's a sinner saved by the grace of God. See, the Bible tells us he is able also to save them to the uttermost because he's alive. You see, in Christ, you can be set free from sin and its consequences. In Christ, he is able to save you from hell, from, from death itself, from, from the guilt and, and power of indwelling sin. Isn't guilt a terrible thing? And the devil tells you, look what you've done. Look what you've said. Look what you thought. What's the answer to that guilt when you feel rotten and miserable? Here's the answer. The blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth me from all sin. The Lord Jesus suffered the wrath of God for you. He, he drank damnation dry for you. The wrath of God was poured out on him. He, he uh, had the wrath of God heaped in him. The, the sword of divine justice was plunged into his breast. All in the tree to purchase salvation. Isn't it sad today that some tell us there's no such thing as salvation? I heard of a, a Church of Ireland rector who said that the word saved wasn't in the Bible. And I thought, poor, deluded soul, a blind leader of the blind, because the Bible's full of the word saved and salvation. Why did he come? We, we think of Christmas. Why did he come? Thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. I'm come that you might have life and you might have it more abundantly. See, the atheist this morning thinks, I don't need to be saved. Because there's no God, no heaven or hell, no, 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 no Christ. It's all myth. The moralist thinks, well, well I can do some good deeds to be saved. The, the religionist says, well, well, I'll join a church to be saved. The, the, the legalist says, I'll try and keep the law to be saved. Are you here this morning? I want to ask this. Do you want to be saved? It's not a question of if he can save or, or will save. The question is, do you have a desire, a thought in your heart and mind to be saved? If so, you can come to him. Come on his terms. Come and surrender your all to him. Come and cry out like Peter, Lord, save me, I perish. Notice the extent. To the uttermost, what does that mean? To the furthest point, completely. Now, where's the furthest point in the universe? I don't know. But I know this, that old Billy Sunday got it right when he said that Christ saves from the guttermost to the uttermost. Take the men and women that the world despises. Those that have been given up on, that nobody wants or, or cares about. Losers, those in the bottom end of society. Couldn't we talk this morning about the harlot? And the thief and the homosexual and the drunkard and the drug addict and the murderer and the child abuser. And we could think of a load of other sins that could come to mind that, 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 that we could mention. All the filthy sins of the day. And you know we in the church have a message and Christ would say go and proclaim. Go and announce this. There's a saviour from all sin. And there's none this morning beyond the power of the saviour. Because he is able and willing to save. 
You could think this morning of a doctor and he's got a little child and that child has cancer and he has to tell the mummy and the daddy about that cancer. And you can just imagine that scene and how heartbreaking that would be. And if that doctor could, even though he's willing to heal that child, he's not able to, he can only apply the, 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 the medicine of the day. But you lift up beyond that. Here's Dr. Jesus, the great physician, and he is not only willing, but he has the ability and power to save from a more dreaded disease than even the physical disease of cancer, hard as it is, the disease of sin. There's a savior from all sin, if you'll only let him in. I want you to think very quickly, the plan of our all-powerful savior. Notice what it says in the text, that come unto God by him. What does that mean, come unto God by Does that mean go to church regularly on a Sunday? Well, it could include that. Does it mean reading your Bible? Well, I encourage Bible reading. Remember, every word of God is pure. I encourage prayer. I encourage good living. But it doesn't mean any of those things. That come unto God by him means to come personally. It means to come humbly. It means to come penitently. It means to come believingly to Christ. Because Christ only saves those that come. All that the Father giveth me shall come to me, and him that cometh to me I will in no wise cast out. There must be a coming to Christ. It means you leave one place, one position, and one lifestyle, and you come to a new position, a new place, a new lifestyle. Remember the old publican in the temple. God be merciful to me a sinner. If you're here this morning, I want to ask, has there been a day when you've come? Has there been a day when you called out and said, Lord, save me, I perish? A, a day when you've been converted. You need the Savior. And if you want to come, then come as you are. Come personally and penitently. Come believingly. Come, come humbly. Come saying, just as I am without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me. Think of Christ in the cross. He's there as the mediator of the new covenant. His arms are stretched out. And with one hand, he's reached into the hand of heaven itself, laid hold upon his father. And he's reached down into the dregs of society. And with that arm, he's able to reconcile us to God. Think of him dying for you this morning. If you come to him, if you trust him, and he can reveal God to you. But one final thought. I want you to think of the presence of our all-powerful Savior. Look at these words. It says in Hebrews 7 verse 25, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for them. Think of his endless life. See, he's risen from the dead. Remember I said he's not only come into the world, he's not only been born for us, he's not only lived for us, he's not only died for us, but he lives for us now in, in the power of resurrection life. And, and, and here's the purpose. To make intercession for them. He's praying for you that you might be saved. He's praying that you'll, you'll be succored and helped. He's praying that you'll be secured and kept. 
He's saying this morning, for you I am praying. Keep them from the evil, Father. Father, keep them from falling. Remember the psalmist said, though poor and needy, yet the Lord thinketh in me. Let me tell you one little story, and this is true. In the days of the American Civil War, there was a soldier. He, he was fighting in the front line. His father and two brothers were with him, and they, they, they were killed. He, he's a younger son in the family. And, and he knows mommy and the sisters are back home, and they're devastated with this news, the loss of three members of the family. And it's coming up to the planting time, and he knows that there's needed help in the farm, and the, there's crops to be uh, sowed and, uh, and preparation for the winter. So he heads off to Washington. He has this plan. I'll go and see the president. So he comes up to the gate that's manned, of course, and he says that he wants to see the president. And, of course, he, he's turned away. He's not getting in. So he goes and sits on a bark bench, not that far from the, the uh, White House. Of course, he's crying. He's wondering what he's going to do. And all of a sudden, this little boy comes. And the little boy says to him, you're unhappy, soldier. What's wrong? Are those tears? Tell me what's wrong. So he told him the story. The death of his father, his two brothers, the front line. The mummy and the sisters at home. The crops needed planting. And he tried to get into the White House. And the soldiers wouldn't let him in. And he, and he didn't know what to do. The little boy took him by the hand. And he said, come with me. And he walked right past the guards. Through the gate. Round the back entrance, up a set of stairs, come into this room that was called the Oval Office. And as he came in through the door, this voice said, Tad, what can I do for you? And this is what he replied, Dad, this soldier needs to talk to you. This soldier needs your help, Dad. That president was Abraham Lincoln. That boy was Abraham Lincoln's son. First turned away because he came on his own. And he's thinking, how am I going to get to speak to the president? How am I going to get in there? And how did he get in? Hand in hand through the son of Abraham Lincoln. And that's how we get into the presence of God. Hand in hand. And if you're here this morning and you're tempted... You're struggling and battling with sin. Remember, he is able to succor them that are tempted. He's able to come alongside and help. And, and he's able to put his hand in yours and say, I'm here for you. And if you're going through trials and you know tears, remember there's a throne in heaven and it's occupied. You can come as often as you want. Come by faith. Him that cometh to God must believe that he is and he's water of them that diligently seek him. You, you come to talk to the Lord, but you don't come on your own. You just don't barge in. You come through the great high priest. You come through the mediator. You come with his hand in your hand. The presence of the old powerful Savior, seeing he ever liveth to make intercession for you. He presents your plea and prayers to the Father. And the ground of the blood, then he answers for his glory. It is no secret what God can do. There's 11 precious references here. And I, I would love to be able to open them up to you. Here's the first one. The ability of all, our all-powerful Savior. You think of what's proclaimed about him this morning. You think of his person. You think of his power. You, you think of his plan. He says, come unto me. 
You think of his presence in heaven to assist you to meet with God and help you with your trials and your difficulties. May the Lord take these few thoughts this morning and bless them to your heart. 